1: David and I are passionate about making your sex life the best it can be.
2: We sure are, and you know, we love talking and learning about everything related to sex and sexuality, sexual health, and of course, sexual pleasure.
1: We love diving deep into the naughty, the taboo, and the unknown. And we hope our discussions open up your dialogue about great sex, because, well, great sex matters... And we all deserve it.
2: We absolutely do. So are you having trouble asking for what you want in bed? Perhaps you're feeling insecure about the moans and groans that naturally occur during sex. What about after the fact? Do you ever discuss how good or how bad or, or how to improve your sexual pleasure? On today's show, we're sharing
1: a special episode where we participated in a sexpert panel discussion together with five other sexperts in the field. And it was moderated by Dr. Ava Cadell from the Lovology University. It was all about intimate communication before, during, and after sex.
2: But before we bring this up, a special episode to you. We wanna tell you a little bit about our top waterproof blanket because great sex is messy sex, but nobody wants to sleep in that wet spot. If you're fed up with having to change your sheets every time you have sex, then you need one of our top waterproof blankets. It's 100% waterproof and leak proof and it guarantees to keep your bed and mattress dry no matter how wet it gets.
1: From messy massage oils or silicone lubes to all sorts of sexy wetness, just throw it in the washer and dryer and it comes out looking like brand new. And you don't have to leave the house to get one. Simply and safely go to Amazon and order yours today. Search Top Waterproof Blanket. That's T-O-P Waterproof Blanket. Great sex starts now.
2: Alrighty, this is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David, and we are so excited to bring you Dr. Ava Cadell's Sexpert Panel Discussion about intimate communication before, during, and even after sex.
3: Welcome to our expert panel on intimate communications, sponsored by Loveology University. So one lucky raffle winner will get the certified relationship program for free today. I'm Dr. Ava Cadell, sexologist, ASex certified sex counsellor and approved training provider, author, and I am your moderator today. And today's expert panelists are all superstars in their field of love, relationships, intimacy, and sexuality. So let's meet them one by one. First, we have Dr. Emily Morse, who is a celebrity masterclass instructor on sex and communication. She's a bestselling author of Hot Sex, and the radio host of the longest-running podcast called Sex
4: with Emily. Congratulations on all of your amazing success, Emily. Thank you, Ava. Thank you, Dr. Cadell. Thank you for uh, having us all here today and putting this wonderful group together. It's so good to oh, see you. Well, I've wanted to have you for ages. And
3: by the way, I really enjoyed your profile in the New York Times and your feature in Forbes magazine. Thank you. So uh, what can you share with us about your masterclass on sex and communication?
4: Oh, wow. Well, the masterclass was was quite an, an incredible um, undertaking, incredible responsibility because masterclasses had a lot of courses and a lot of things, cooking and, and, and writing. And they thought, well, we want to do a wellness course. And they started with sex, which I thought was very brave. Now they've released courses on a bunch of other things. But with sex, um, I really wanted to break it down into – um how we all learn about sex and clearing our roadblocks and what what prevents us from having great sex and then i sort of walk through a lot of the the roadblocks and how people can get comfortable with their bodies no matter what your gender are there no matter what your gender is we talked a lot about communication and consent so we kind of covered it's it's a great it's about an hour and 45 minutes and it's a great starter course or just a great course for Anyone, wherever they're at on on their sexual journey, I think they can kind of just plop in. Either it's a great reminder or it's a great place to start for people. So that's awesome. And we're gonna put a link on the registration page so that everybody
3: watching can go and sign up for your masterclass on sex and communication. So that's awesome. And our next panelist is my dear friend and co-host of Penthouse's Sex Academy Instructional Series. Dr. Hernando Chavez. He is a sex therapist and a licensed marriage and family therapist, a professor at Pepperdine University, and a global speaker that I have had the pleasure of working with. Hey, Hernando, how are you?
5: I'm doing well, Ava. happy to be here and looking forward to the panel.
3: Yay. So what's one area of communication that you would like to see become more common with sex and dating and relationships when it comes to communication?
5: Sure. Um, You know, one area that I think is really important is actually something that we're all doing right now, which is um, utilizing our pronouns to create more inclusivity, respect, and solidarity for the trans and non-binary community. Um, If you notice, all of us are, are using our pronouns and Uh, putting them forward, which helps create more of an opportunity for trans people to feel sort of a a part of communities and not ostracized and separated and even segregated at times, that, you know, not doing so, it it can show disrespect to the trans and non-binary community. And, you know, if we don't use uh, uh, pronouns for individuals uh, in the the trans and non-binary communities, it can oftentimes show a disrespect, a misgendering, and maybe even assume genders that can be painful and hurtful for these communities. Um, you know, if you think about experiences within the trans and non-binary communities, they have gone through just years and years and really a lifetime of people not respecting, not honoring, um, you know, sort of being disingenuous, uh, discourteous, uh, discriminative, and even violent you know, towards their gender. And so this is one of the ways that we as uh, people in society can open our arms up and invite people who have oftentimes felt uh, not included and marginalized. And, you know, I had this experience uh, years ago with an adult industry performer um, that showed sort of the power of, of us being open and inclusive to, to not only utilizing our pronouns, but also asking uh, this, this adult performer's name was Jizz Lee. And we were we just finished doing some advocacy ally work uh, for the adult industry community. And we were going out to lunch as a large group. And I was sitting next to them. And you know, I knew that this was something important for trans folks and non-binary folks. So I turned to Jiz and I asked and said, you know, what are your pronouns? I want to make sure that I, you know, know your pronouns and, and want to show that respect to you. And then there was a pause, about 10 or 15 seconds, and I, I saw Jiz's eyes water up. And in that moment, it really touched me because I saw the power, I saw the the emotional experience and just the, the value and importance that, that they were experiencing in that moment. Um, and they thanked me and they told me their pronouns. And you can see that I'm also utilizing their pronouns. Um, and that was something that really started off uh, both the foundation of friendship and respect, but also really opened the door for you know, what I wanted to, to do, which is be a, an ally, be an advocate, and be somebody who tries to honor and respect and not judge and support, you know, marginalized communities.
3: Wow, thank you. That's really good uh, clarification that a lot of people need to hear. Thank you so much. So our next um, panelist is Megan, Dr. Megan Stubbs. She is a sexologist, a biologist, a columnist for Playboy, and author of her first book, Playing Without a Partner, A Single's Guide to Sex, Dating, and Happiness. Congratulations on your new book, Megan. Now, you you offer expert insight on modern dating and even how to have sex with a stranger, which I just love. (laughs) So what are some ways to initiate intimate communication before engaging in play?
0: You know, you can utilize anything as a third party. You can say you read an article, you can say you saw a panel like this and bring that up with your partner to start initiating that conversation of, you know, just dipping our toes into like, what can we do sexually? Also, I love to suggest a yes, no, maybe list. So if you don't know what that is, it's a list of different activities um, listed out. And so you take this little assessment and your partner takes this assessment and you come back together and see where you overlap and see what things that are like, not for me, not for you. Cool, we don't have to do that. And then explore things that you might be curious about that might be like a maybe on your list. So those are really fun ways to make the pre-sex talk not boring.
3: Cool. Thank you. Can't wait to read your book. And our next expert is Dr. Shannon Chavez, a licensed clinical psychologist and ASEC-certified sex therapist with a private practice called SHAPE, which means Sexual Health and Pleasure Enhancement Center in Beverly Hills. She works with many organizations as a presenter, spokesperson, media commentator, and consultant in sexual health and wellness, relationships, and mental health. And she wrote a guide for clinicians on the treatment of love addiction. So what can you tell us about that guide for clinicians?
6: You know, it was something that I felt was lacking in the field, was looking at love addiction as an attachment issue. So I wanted to create a manual that actually helped people not only understand the theory, but also how to actually apply it with clients. So kind of had to write the book on it because it wasn't out there in the field. So I, I really hope that clinicians will use it and open up some new dialogue around how love addiction isn't exactly an addiction, but it's an attachment issue that can be resolved.
3: Thank you. That's awesome. And yeah, clinicians need, you know, to have updated information because You know, our field is forever changing. Sexual health is always evolving. So thank you for doing that. And our next panelist is Dr. Sarah Nazazadeh, a registered supervisor and senior accredited member of the College of Sex and Relationship Therapists in England and a certified sexuality counselor and approved training provided by ASEC. He also serves as the advisory board of the World Association for Sexual Health and co-chairs their annual World Sexual Health Day in Stanford, uh, at Stanford University. Now, she's also the co-author of the award-winning Orgasm Answer Guide and a Wheel of Context for Sexuality Education. But her most recent contribution to this field is the emergent love model research and development of a validated inventory for the holistic assessment of dynamics within a coupledom called Relationship Panoramic Inventory. Wow, kudos on all of your amazing accomplishments, Sarah. Thank I'm you. just incredibly amazed at everything that you do. Um, so, let me ask you how can your relationship? panoramic inventory for couples offer
7: ways for them to communicate more effectively. Well, thank you for that, Eva. One of the things that come up for me as I'm listening to my amazing colleagues here is we all saw a gap and we were trying to kind of fill it, right? So one of the things that was missing for me in the past 20 years working with couples across the world and sexuality was a validated, evidence-informed um, a scale so that when a couple comes to me and shares something with me within like um, a few minutes like receiving that report from them I have a very good 360 degree review of their coupledom sexuality thinking style conflict style connecting style you know all that good stuff so that I'm not dumbfounded in the middle of the process like seven, seven session down the line they say oh by the way this Like, oh, only if I knew it. So that was what was behind it. And it's, you know, validated and it will help with, you know, showing people to answer your question with um, what are the thinking styles of each of the people in the room? You know, what are the conflict management styles? What are they, you know, um, what is their perception of the sex, uh, sexual satisfaction when they receive and uh, when they give. So all of these, and also there are questions in that questionnaire that helps people to come out. If they are monogamous, monogamish, if, if they are polyamorous, if they are into kink. So many of my couples say that this was the first time that they were able to articulate this. So that's how I'm hoping to help the field and our human community. That's
3: fantastic. And yeah, asking the right questions can certainly improve communication. So thank you. And lastly, my favorite sexpert couple panelists, Carol and David. They are radio hosts of the Sexy Lifestyle on Voice America Radio, and Sex and Swinging Lifestyle Educators. Each week, Carol and David share their own personal experiences on sex, love, and marriage to help listeners to have a stronger, more meaningful relationship through clear communication and pushing their boundaries, exploring their limits, and then fulfilling their sexual fantasies. So thank you for joining us. And my first question for both of you is, what do swingers talk about before they choose another couple to play with?
1: Well, Ava, first of all, I'd like to thank you for including us in your communication panel, because as we know, swingers are actually experts in communication. Otherwise, it wouldn't work that way. So thanks so much for uh, inviting us to be here. Uh, Well, we certainly do talk a lot about sex in general, and when we are planning our play dates... Uh, we talk together about what we'd like, what we would like to do and see and uh, experience,
2: right? And, and one of the hardest thing for swingers is to find four people who can actually connect together. Um, so it's like, I have to like her and I have to like, uh, she has to like him and they have to like each other. So there's a lot of communication that goes on um, before we actually get together and get naked to play.
1: Right. So the no, kinds of things we sir. ask... are. The kinds of Go things ahead. we ask each other are really about, uh, you know, what we're looking for, what we want to experience in that day, and things change. So we can't take for granted that our partner wants the same thing every time. We have to ask those questions. So what if one of you wants to swing with a couple and the other one doesn't?
2: Oh, that's uh, we never take one for the team. It doesn't so, happen. Yeah,
1: we just kindly decline and move on. That's all.
2: Yeah, and one of the I hardest. Yeah. Yeah, and one of the hardest things as we age is. Unfortunately, um, the women seem to take care of themselves better than the guys do sometimes. And, um, you know, it's, it's hard to find two couples that are very, very compatible for each other and Carol and I, like I might find the woman very attractive and she's like not 100%. So we talk about like, you know, what do you think? And, and sometimes, you know, you talk to the people and all of a sudden their personality starts to shine and then, you know, the looks don't become that uh, important and the people as themselves and they have beautiful smiles um, make the whole encounter a lot more enjoyable to, to get into.
3: Great. Thank you.
2: And lately, one of the things we're talking about is, are they vaccinated or not?
3: (laughs) Right? (laughs) Yeah, that takes communication too. Mm -hmm. Good point. So most people really have a hard time, excuse the pun, asking for what they want in bed. So this question is for everyone on the panel. And just please feel free to join in if you have anything to say in response to each other. How do you ask for what you really want in bed? And um, let's start with Dr. Emily Morse because I'm sure you have had this question hundreds of times from your listeners oh. on
4: your radio show. Yes, I have, and also always have a radio show at a uh, podcast, Sex with Emily. So I'm not oh, doing radio right. anymore, but it's a podcast. Just so you all know. Um, yeah, it's a great question. I think that everything comes down to communication. And a, a simple way to do it is hopefully you, you've done work and you figured out what you actually want, but I have the three T's of communication, which is timing, turf, and tone. And the timing is just when you're not, an easy way to think about it is when you're not halt, which is hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. So make sure you're in a good space, so you've got a good clear head. Um, and then the, the tone is, is light, and it's curious and it's not, you're not on the defensive, you're not angry, all, all things be cleared. And you just say, hey, you know, I realize that, you know, maybe we've never talked about our sex life. A lot of people who call into my show have never talked about it or when they have, they were shamed. So you could just say, I'd love to have a conversation about it. I realize we haven't talked about it and you might have to do a lot of. This is nothing that you're doing wrong. I think we can both agree we want to be great lovers to each other and and have the conversation and the other thing is um, turf and I always recommend to do it outside the bedroom. So somewhere where you're just hanging out, you're chilling, you're having a drink, you're at dinner, you're going for a walk somewhere. And and so that's just um just, just throw the three. That actually helps for all kinds of conversations that can be awkward or challenging is just think about the three T's and I do have a a downloadable guide on my site for free. That, it, that explains this. But I think that, you know, and then before you even get to that, you have to figure out what do I actually want? And, and once you figure that out, that, and remember the other thing I want to remind everybody is that uh, sex is not a one-time conversation. It's an ongoing conversation. And you talk about it. I, I believe I'd love to get to a place where we're talking about as much as we talk about where we're going on our next vacation or what we're going to do for our birthday. And what are we going to do with our sex life? So
3: Yeah, that's great. And you're so right. If you don't know what you want, you certainly can't communicate it. So (laughs) find out what it is that you do want to be satisfied sexually. Thank you. Uh, Dr. Hernando, what is your answer to uh, how do you ask for what you want in bed?
5: I want to piggyback on what Dr. Emily just said and and encourage uh, also something in addition, which is to identify what you want and then practice you know sharing it practice saying it that I have a lot of clients who have difficulty expressing what they want. They they have done the exploration and then the next step is how do I find the courage or the bravery to then share it with a partner, with uh, uh you know to, to be vulnerable, to be transparent. And it's not an easy process. I think a lot of us here, you know, know what it's like to do public speaking or to do, you know, a, a radio or, or TV and one thing that, we, that people don't realize is that many of us practice. We do a lot of preparation behind the scenes. We script it. We write it out. We role play. We practice with people. And I encourage clients to do that as well, both with myself where they, we practice with role play, but I also have them you know, write out what they would like to say, sort of like in the business community, we have our elevator speeches. I want them to have their elevator speech in terms of sharing their pleasure, sharing their limits and boundaries, sharing their, um, the, 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 the boundaries and the sort of the play box that they enjoy as well as also what their body uh, experiences with pleasure in terms of like their, their favorite sensation, their favorite sort of experiences, sex toys, positions, and so on. But I think we have to practice first. So I just encourage people to do that work on, you know, on your own. And then when you are with a partner or with people, you might have more of a comfort and maybe a, a bit of a practice under your belt to be able to express and share that.
3: I love that. So basically rehearse, you know, rehearse what you want to say. Um, about what you want in bed. That's really great advice. Thank you. And Dr. Megan, what is your advice on how to ask for what you want in bed?
0: This is so tough to follow because I want to just echo all the sentiments that Dr. Dr. Fernando said. Um, But yeah, I really want to key in on, you know, having this conversation in a neutral location. Um, If you try to have this conversation while you're in bed or getting ready to be intimate, you can sometimes get like a not very truthful answer because a partner feels pressured to answer one way or another so make sure you're in a neutral location that way everyone feels safe and free to answer authentically and not be pressured like oh they're asking for this i should say yes because i don't want to disappoint them but if you're in a neutral location you have to worry about that so make sure yeah turf is so important and then yeah if you're really worried and nervous that's what your friends are for you role play this conversation with them be like hey i need you for a minute you be my partner. I'm gonna try something out on you, and then you can, you know, talk with them because obviously they love you no matter what. So you don't have to, you know, worry about dumping this new thing on your partner without having tried it first. So, keen on your friends.
3: I love that neutral location. So, I guess you could do it in the car when you're driving on your way to date night, or. Oh. That's a neutral location, right? As long as it doesn't make the driver crazy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Shopping, you know, walking in the park.
3: (laughs) Yeah, but I like that. That's awesome. Dr. Shannon, what is your advice on how to ask for what you want sexually?
6: I agree with what everyone said about practicing. And sometimes I recommend for clients to ask for things that are related to sex, that are just general things that you're doing on a day to day. You know, I want a hug or, you know, I need this so that it becomes second nature, becomes something that you're used to, like a habit. And I also recommend... Writing it down so you can see the language you want to use because I think sometimes in the moment we feel so much pressure to say the right thing or to communicate it perfectly that we don't focus as much on just asserting what we want. So writing it down, we visualize it, we get used to the language we want to use, and maybe we even say it out loud to ourselves just to get comfortable with the tone we want to use and the body language that comes along with it. So I, I definitely agree with what everyone said, and I think writing it down makes it a visual reminder of what you want.
3: I like that. Yes, preparation. And then I love that you said body language, because that's really important when it comes to communication. It's not just um, oral sex, A-U-R-A-M. <laughs> it's also your body language. It's very important. Great answer. Thank you. Dr. Sarah, what do you think? What, is, what do you advise your clients on how to communicate? their wants and needs and sexual desires to each other.
7: I completely agree with everything that was said. And if I may add mine as bullet point to the rest of the kind of communication, I would like to bring some context maybe to our discourse here, because some of my clients are from high context countries or cultures that you don't really talk about everything. You don't have vocabulary for everything. So you kind of sign, cue, and you're hoping that the other person picks up. And then some people are from low context countries, meaning that you verbalize everything about everything. You know, it's, it's like you know, solidify it by putting a word to it. So I would pay attention to that for my couples, that you know, just to you know where everybody is coming from, where each of them is coming from, or everybody in the in that kind of constellation of the relationship comes from. And then the other one is as we are talking about sex, I would like to take that a little bit further those three T's. Um, Emily, I love that. Uh, and also add what Dr. Megan said earlier that about yes, no, and maybe. So maybe we want to try it, maybe not. And also do that as a part of the body language. So for example, it's not always necessary that if I do this to you, you say, don't do it, stop. Because by neuroresonance resonance, you created kind of a knee jerk reaction in the other person. But what if you actually use your hand and move that hand? into a place that you want so and then knowing that this time i might not like it here but next time i might so these are the ones that i think you know the nuances because many of the couples you know have that verbal exchange have that agreement and then they get stuck to it but you told me five years ago you don't like this yeah <laughs> five years ago and So these are the ones that you know i just wanted to add kind of a bit of context that's great. I love the
3: moving your partner's hand to where you want them to touch you or their head to where they want you yeah. to. Touch. That's perfect. Thank you. All right, Carol and David, I know you've got something juicy to say about this. So, <laughs> Let us know how you communicate your sexual wants and needs um, to each other and maybe even to a couple that you just met.
1: Well, one of the things that we like to practice at home is what we call all day foreplay, where we actually are flirty and flirtatious during the day. And we do talk a few things, elaborating a little bit on what some mother said about giving that hug. I need a kiss. I'd like to have, you know, uh, a little bit more time together. And also from what Dr. Emily said about tone, uh, keeping it light and making it fun. And if you want to talk about sex, it doesn't have to be a serious topic. If you get used to speaking about it and it's not so scary then to to say the words uh, I would like this or I would prefer that Uh, just make it more commonplace to discuss these kinds of
2: things and and one of the things that we always do is we learn and we go out there and we learn from people who know more than we do and and so many people out there don't know what they don't know and you know um, we explore our fantasies we push our boundaries and um Sometimes, you know, you, you, you see something on porn, which we know isn't educational, but it's a good fodder for, you know, bringing up these discussions. And then you have to, you know, if you're going to bring it up to your partner and your partner says, OK, so how do we do this? You need to know the next step. And one of the things we do and, and Dr. Emily, I mean, you have the most amazing newsletters that you put out there. And there's a lot of how to's and bring up this. And how do you talk to your partner? And we do it all the time because we like keeping our sex life uh, spicy and we like doing different things things and so go out there and find the experts there's so many great experts out there Dr. Ava from your university and Emily and there's Dr. Jess O'Reilly and people who have real credible information out there who can get you through the points and then on the other side the person like someone was just talking about don't say no if you're not into it's you know bring up the well how about we try this instead. instead and you know you're going to do things differently than that missionary position on the left side of your bed for 25 years
3: yeah that's great so you're talking about no- negotiation instead of just saying no mm-hmm. uh, i'm sure all of you have heard about the compliment sandwich with two slices of compliments and one slice of complaint mm. between them <laughs> which is also a great way to communicate you know, what you love. So I love the way you kiss me and it turns me on when you caress my nipples, but I don't like it when you pinch them. And that's just honest, open communication, but with some praise in there. People love to be praised. And of course, they're more likely to do whatever you praise them for. So fantastic answers. Thank you so much. Um, we're actually getting some viewers who are asking questions for individuals. So this first question is for Dr. Emily. It is from Liz and she wants to know, how do I learn to initiate sex if
4: I'm never in the mood? That's a really common question. Thank you for that question, Liz. So uh this is the thing we we hear this all the time if we're in, you have to remember that initiating sex is a skill set and usually we fall into one of two camps either we're the initiator or someone's initiating with us right we're receiving and so i think a great way to start is to ask your partner what the what it would look like like how they would like you to initiate like what, what would be the ideal scenario for them because then you're getting a little bit more information you know maybe they say, well. I come home from work and you come up to me and start kissing my neck or you're wearing that sexy thing or your phone's turned off and you give me that look. I mean, I think that just having some more information, it's like anything, like a new skill we have to practice. So I always recommend like getting some more information so you feel like you're in it together rather than making it like another thing on your to-do list, like initiate sex, six o'clock. So I think the more like permission we can give ourselves to explore. And I think that's good advice for any kind of request your partner makes where you're like, oh God, now they want me to dominate. That's another one. My partner wants to be more dominant. You're like, well, what do you mean by that? Do you want me to spank, you know, you want me to spank you, tie you up, like, you know, verbally tell you, I mean, what, do you what do you need in this situation? So I think, you know, that's, that's a really helpful way to, to kind of, and then practice, think about it, plan it. You know, I'm a, I have to plan stuff ahead or it won't happen. I have to think about it, you know? Cause I also had partners happen to me. Like I'm like everyone else. I'm like, oh God, I really haven't been initiating. So I had to like think about it. Like I'm gonna do all these things. Cause then also it wasn't just what my partner turned me on. I took what I knew he wanted. And then I was like, well, what would really turn me on? And I kind of created a scenario that felt good to both of us, which I think is always important. Yeah, that's great. It sounded like Liz was putting too much
3: pressure on herself, but no. with your answer, you're letting her know there's different ways to initiate, you know, yeah. you initiate with a, a hug or a compliment. It doesn't have to be. It's, it uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It doesn't have to be in missionary or doggy style. That's yeah. So that's great. Yeah. Thank you. That's a very good advice for everybody. And I do think we should take turns initiating sex so that one person isn't always the initiator. So yeah. Great advice. Thank you, Emily. The next question here is for Dr. Hernando uh, from Sammy. Who is a Lovology student? Um, and he wants to know more about what you were talking about, the pronouns um and minorities. He thought that was so important about respectful communication. So he wants to know if you can just expand upon that a little bit more, um, and maybe give an example of communication.
5: Sure, sure. Um, you know, so so. Maybe in addition to, to to talking about the pronouns in the trans and non-binary community, I can maybe touch upon uh, discussion and communication in the kink community. Um, as we know, in, you know, kink is growing. Uh, more people are introducing kink and BDSM into their lifestyle, into their sex play, into their relationships. Um, and a- as this is growing, so do I think people also need to hone those skills. You know that the within the kink community, there's an emphasis on communication and consent negotiation. Uh, that's ongoing, that's constant, and as was brought up with previous panelists, that is uh, uh, ongoing and, and evolving. So we have to be dynamic about those continued conversations. And in the kink community, we have different uh, acronyms that are used to to, uh, to kind of remind people about areas to to explore in terms of their communication and negotiation. Uh, an older version was uh, SSC, which was safe, sane, and consensual. Uh, maybe something that a little bit more modern was RAC, which was uh, risk, aware, consent, uh, kink. And one that I've been seeing also in dungeons and also online has been prick, which is personal responsibility, informed consensual kink. Um, so whether you're SSC prick or rack, um, which I, I love the prick by the way, that's a great, t- great uh, acronym. You can't forget that. Um, I think we have to, to, you know, take a cue from let's say the non-monogamous, the poly, and the uh, uh, kink communities in this emphasis on defining boundaries, uh, consent, ongoing consent, the idea of exploring limits. Um, pleasures you know areas that we want to play in um, also aftercare you know how we like to also experience the the after sexual experience in what physical or emotional or mental support you know is something that's beneficial for us as well as even talking about things like triggers or you know, historical sort of experiences that might impact or come into play with our sex and even injuries you know that some people might have you know certain issues with knees or backs or hips and so on and these are all things that can be done through communication um, in the King community, you'll often find that they'll use things like checklists to, to help sort of guide the conversation in order for people to explore what areas of impact play, what sort of psychological sort of areas of dominance and submission or power play that they want to explore. Uh, maybe what type of SM sort of you know experiences with sadism and masochism. Um, and then also with communication, it's very important for Uh, people to explore, you know, what are sort of our ways to uh, keep consent ongoing, but also to check in with partners. And so this idea of ongoing check-ins is important. This idea of exploring what are safe words, um, what are silent alarms. If you don't know what a silent alarm is, it's essentially if there is some type of restriction that's happening sensory-wise, it's a way for us to be able to express, you know, to stop or or our safe word uh, Mm -hmm. when we have some type of, let's say, restriction. For example, somebody has a ball gag. They can't say that, You know, uh, cucumber is my safe word. They can't say it because they've been, uh, they're in bondage. So they may hold a handkerchief. And if they drop that handkerchief, that is a sign for that top or that dominant to say, hey, we need to pause or stop. I've got to check in. And one of the classic ways for, you know, consent to happen in the King community um, in terms of of, uh, uh, ongoing communication is to use the the stoplight system. That example of red, yellow, and green that we're all familiar with with driving, Typically, when someone shares green, that means to keep going. That this is pleasurable and good. Yellow can mean different things, so we have to define what yellow means before we get into our play. Yellow can mean, I, you know, don't go any sort of uh, deeper or heavier. This is a good sort of trajectory. Uh, but for some, yellow can also mean, hey, we need to pull it, tone it down back a bit. So we need to define what yellow means for each, you know, individual. And then, of course, red would mean full stop. We've got to stop. We've got to check in. We've got to tend to whatever needs might be present. And, and that's something that I think we can all learn from the kink communities, which is um, you know this idea of, of having deep, intricate uh, communication that really highlights boundaries, consent, and love and respect for people. And I think that gives us the opportunity to really have pleasure when we can factor, you know, when we can address some of these different areas that can sometimes come up with assumptions or miscommunications.
3: Yeah, that's great, Hernando. I know um, the safe words are so important and we can... know incorporate those into our sexual fantasies and you know um also consent is of paramount importance in communicating consent it's it's all very very um just very important to know how to communicate consent and how to communicate boundaries and your explanation is excellent that's why you're the professor at pepperdine university (laughs) you're so good at this um dr sarah Linda and Jerry want to know how they can solve their different sexual needs.
7: Hmm. Sure. Thank you for that question. Different sexual needs. So one of the practicality of it is take turns. For example, tonight is my night. Tomorrow night is your night. And then a couple's night. I might just ask for for a cuddle or a caress. Or a massage and you might ask for something else so when the individual needs are met then when you come together as a couple for your coupledom night you know whatever that you want to call it then there is not that residue of resentment that i didn't get what i wanted you know so that would be one way and then um the other one that i i was actually thinking um earlier on Um, one of the things as we're talking about communication that I tell my couples is create a sex menu for yourself, because for many couples, especially long-term couples, it's intercourse or, or highway. So it's really important to have a sexual menu. Literally, I ask my couples to have a sexual menu and then go to each other. Hey, I'm hungry for four course dinner tonight. And then the other person says, not really. Can we have a cup of tea and a biscuit please? you know and then how does that look like on the menu this way both of you that negotiation but kind of in a softer way that kind of we put it forward and both of them feel satisfied out of that situation because I want to build on uh, something that uh, Dr. Hernando just mentioned which is so important aftercare matters a lot So when people come out, it doesn't matter if somebody experienced orgasm or not, or you you whatever. But if you're really centered and then ask yourself, did I like this? Did I like this experience? Did I like this food from the menu? If the answer is yes, you want to go back. If the answer is, oh my God, that was disgusting. The body will resist you. Forget about you. I mean, you know, cognition is not even involved, right? The body will resist you. So I want to leave you with that lovely couple i'm assuming you're a couple i
3: love that because i also do a sexual menu i've done it in my seminars and i tell couples to uh, give each other a three-course menu so what do you want as an appetizer you know because they might have different ideas one might want to just kiss another one might want a sensual massage so i love that that's great communication and also i like what you said about Take turns, you know, to have your sexual needs met. So, Monday, it's um, Linda's, and then Tuesday, it's Jerry's turn. Very good answer. Great. Uh, Here's a question from Lexi for Dr. Shannon. She needs your help because she says, My partner and I are on different pages when it comes to sexual communication. And it feels like we're talking two different languages. So, How can we get into a better rhythm with our communication, even though our styles of communication are different?
6: That's a good question. I mean, first of all, you're going to be speaking a different language. You don't need to speak the same language in order to communicate effectively. If anything, you want to be curious and understand your partner's language. And that's everything from the words you use to refer to your body and what feels good and how you define your pleasure, and I think if you're on this, if you're on a different page. I think sometimes it maybe there's things being triggered when you're hearing your partner use certain terms, or uh, maybe it's not a turn on, and so you can openly talk about what's working in communication and what's not. And I think if we think of sex as its own language, then we give ourselves more permission to use words that we don't normally use, or as we said earlier, body language and have your own way of communicating. I mean, a lot of couples like to use pet names or Mm -hmm. use a, a cute voice when you're talking to your partner. So think about all these creative ways that we can develop language around sex rather than feeling like it has to be perfect or that it has to sound like it sounds in the movies, but being open to having your own unique style and then teaching your partner about that communication and language that feels comfortable for you.
3: Yeah, that's so true. And some couples, they use, um, so some couples are like left-brained, others are right-brained. And so that's actually two very different people who express what they want just differently. Cause maybe a left-brained person wants to, you know, initiate. Um, and what they want to say is I, I just want you now because they just want to get to the facts. But if they're, partner is right brain, they're more poetic and more descriptive, you know, maybe they wanna have a bath together first. So you're so right in saying that sex is a, it's got a language of its own. And I think if you can learn to talk in your partner's language, then you're not gonna be on two separate pages. You know, you can combine your styles and um, communicate with all the things that, you know, Dr. Emily and Hernando and Sarah have been saying, um, these are all extremely unique ways to communicate. So we're really helping people, I think, expand their vocabulary. Um, and
6: I would like to add one thing, because I work with a lot of conservative populations, just like Dr. Sarah, and sometimes it's so embarrassing to, to think about that words and language. So watch movies and see what other people are doing that feels good for you. Because Sometimes we can see that and identify and say, oh, I like that or that seems really sexy, or I love the passion behind what they're asking for. So that's also a way, if you're kind of not knowing where to start, is look at all these great sources around us. For
2: sure.
3: Yeah, that's great watching movies and um, hot sex scenes in movies and reenacting them. Uh, This next question is for Carol and David. Uh, This is a very good one. It's from Leo. He says, how can I encourage my partner to be more vocal during sex, um, so that I know that I'm doing it right.
1: Well, I'm assuming since he's a guy, I'm only going to assume that his partner is female. I'm going to say that a lot of times women are afraid to um, sound out. Yes, just to sound out and be very primal. But I got to say that when you do let go, for me especially, uh, then it certainly helps. Uh, So not only to Uh, Ways of communication don't have to be words while you're having sex. It could be just sounds that you're making and whether they're pleasure sounds or um, fun sounds or just giving them cues. Uh, So I would say if he wants to know how to encourage that, I think he has to ask her to let me know. Let me know if you like this, even if you're just grunting or moaning or or sighing in some way. And I think he just has to come out and ask his partner to be more vocal. And so it, and with the reason that he wants to know if what he's doing is good or not good.
2: Yeah. And the same thing, if it's not good, you have to tell them as well, because, mm-hmm. you know, touching someone and massaging them feels good. But an hour and a half later, mm-hmm. it might not feel good anymore. And, you know, one of the things I want to bring up that, you know, um, Dr. Hernando brought up and a couple of other people brought up is, you know, we're pushing some boundaries. We're talking about kink We're you know, we could talk about threesomes. We can talk about a whole bunch of things where people push their boundaries. But as a couple, once you decide to go in, if something goes wrong, you can't hold it against your partner. You need to, you know, step back and talk about it. And we always say it might not be great the first time. But try it again because you know there's the nerves and maybe you didn't get the words out properly like dr shannon was saying and maybe use different words the next time and maybe a different situation so you know you're going in because you're trying to do something to strengthen your couple and make your sex life better
3: yeah very good answer thank you dr emily there are so many viewers who all have similar questions so i'm just going to put them all together and they want to know when to bring sex toys into the bedroom. Um, actually, Lee wants to know if it should be done uh, during date night or, or
4: before foreplay as a surprise.
3: <laughs> what
4: do you That's recommend? A, yeah, it's a great question because I think, again, everyone's different. Um, but I think it's great to have the conversation about toys I don't think you should surprise your partner with anything. If you've never discussed toys or said, hey, I have a toy, I'm wanting to show it to you. I think that's another kind of conversation you you have when you're talking about your sex life and you're not necessarily in the bedroom, but you're like, you know, I, I've got this great new toy and I think it'd be really hot for us to use together. Would you ever be open to that? Have you experienced it before? What's your thought on toys? Um, You can even go shopping together and buy a toy. You can go online or go into a store. So I just think that some people like surprises, but some people certainly do not. So I think if people have preconceived notions about toys, which many partners do, people feel threatened by them or they're going to be replaced by a toy, it's better to have that conversation beforehand. So no surprises, unless you know your partner. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I always say a toy can't cuddle you. <laughs> yeah, I say the same thing. I'm like, they can't cuddle you. They're not gonna take you to the farmer's market on Sunday. Like the toy is <laughs> not gonna replace you. In all my years, no one's ever said he left me for his she left me for a rabbit, you know, toy. Like never right. So true.
6: Yeah, Um, should say, right? We never know in the future. (laughs) Exactly.
3: (laughs) Yeah, they've got to invent toys that talk erotically to us. Uh, Can you imagine your vibrator talking erotically? Yeah.
6: How fun
7: would
3: that be? (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Megan, Leslie wants to know what you should watch out for when you are practicing intimate communication.
0: Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, I feel like there's a lot of, you know, here's how to do it, but here's not a lot of like, here's how to what what to watch out for. So, um, I love the idea that Dr. Shannon recommended of like looking at movies and seeing kind of language that sounds like it might be good for us. Um, but I worry that sometimes people think they have to go too far. Like if they're looking at pornography and they start talking suddenly like a really, you know, aggressive porn scene and it's completely not authentic to them. Their partner might be like, whoa, where's this coming from? And then you're like, oh, I thought you'd like that. And it's like, you don't even use swear words. So suddenly you're saying daddy's a little fuck slut. And I'm like, I don't know where this is coming from. So trying to use like language that's authentic to you and making sure that what you're saying is what you want, not what you think your partner wants to hear.
3: Right. Exactly. Uh, Dr. Sarah, do you have any advice for an anonymous couple who apparently communicate very well, they say, but they
7: still feel like they're drifting apart sexually? I muted myself. What does that mean? So, um, lovely anonymous couple, let me tell you something. When you say you're communicating well, I wonder if the process of communication goes on, but the content is not serving you, that's, that's the first thing that comes up for me. And then the other one is when you feel like, you know, you're communicating very well, it means that you talk a lot. Talking needs the involvement of this part of the brain, prefrontal. Part of the brain, right? But if you are going to actually have sex, bring bodies together, it will be really helpful to also have some exercises done there for the bonding. So create safer space for one another, and then within that, see what your bodies would like to do together. Do you move well together? So do sort of communications. Does it feel good? Does it feel not good? You know, is it triggering for me or is it just uncomfortable? I can sit with it. So, these are the content I would just say, you know, the process of communication doesn't guarantee that the content is serving you the way that you are, you, you want it to serve you. So, for me, if you want to start putting the proper kind of content together, I would say identify what you like, what feels good, not what you like, what feels good in the body. What you can immediately translate to pleasure and put it out there. When you do these, I really like that. And then um, communicate with your body. So, for example, I have this guessing game that I give to to my couples. They sit together. It could be in a bath. It could be in a shower. It could be just sitting in front of each other, fully clothed. And then just touch each other, like that, for example, and then have the other person guess. How am I touching you? Well... You're caressing me. No, actually, I meant to tease you. You know, so just check to see what you're putting out there is received the way that you want. So that's what I call effective communication when it comes to sexuality. When you say you're drifting apart. The other reason couples drift apart sexually is that they are exposed to different material and different information. They're aroused by different stimuli from outside world, but they don't share with each other. So over a period of time, you are a different person, you're a different person, and then you don't really know each other sexually. So that part also comes up for me that, you know, anything that moves you sexually, that um, arouses you sexually, it would be really helpful to find a way to share it with each other so that you're both online, you know, kind of align and online with each other. And then over time, you don't do this. So I hope this is helpful. Yeah, it sounds
3: very helpful. Thank you. And um, we have a question, but I'm going to wait for Emily to answer it because I want to... Uh, introduce the raffle winner. So Emily, you can think about this while I'm introducing the raffle winner. Venus is scared. She's so afraid to tell her partner about her sexual fantasies and she needs your advice. So you can think on that just for one minute because our winner of our raffle um, is Karitina uh, Roberts. And she, I think it's a she, she has won the uh, Certified Relationship Program. So congratulations, Karatina. Okay, Dr. Emily, let's help Venus with her fear of
4: telling her partner about her sexual fantasies. Um, I think that a lot of, and a lot of people have said a lot of similar things today about, um, such great comments about how to communicate and then it's awkward and uncomfortable and and all the things and figuring out your own script and what you want. Um, I'm going to go back to something that that Dr. Hernando said about your elevator pitch, because I know he shared that with me before when we were working on something. And I love the idea of just kind of knowing about your fantasy and really thinking about um, I think, Hernando, once we talked about this, the who, what, when, where, like actually knowing like how it's your fantasy, why it's your fantasy, where it comes from, and explain to them, that it's not just like, I want to have a threesome, but it's like, I thought about us having a, a threesome together and here's why it's arousing to me and why it turns me on, and here's the part of us doing it together that's really hot for me, you know, what? you know, do you have any fantasies that you know, that turn you on? But I also think you got to roll back a little bit and start with the very first, like I understand that she's nervous to share a fantasy, but I don't think that you go from like zero to here's my whole fantasy. I think, again, you start with a convert. If you've never talked about your sex life, start just talking about your ter- fan- like about um, your sex life in general. How's it going? Are there any turn ons? Has your partner been fantasizing about anything? Here's some things that I think are hot. You know, sometimes I tell couples to write down, each write down three uh, items on their bucket list or th- three things they wanna try that they actually want their partner to-, to see and swap those lists. So I think rather than declaring a fantasy, it sounds like if she's nervous, either it's because in her mind, it's something that's really out there or maybe they've never talked about it so again i would roll back to sex is not a one-time conversation it's consensual and ongoing and you just kind of feel them out like again some people call me with things that are they've never talked to their partners about sex and they want to yeah do something that's just they've never talked. i'm trying to think of what's even out there but i don't you know i don't even know what there's every, we all hear everything every day but i think you just got to know your partner and and i think that even just again just a basic conversation about fantasies about turn-ons or what are the most memorable times we've had sex it's such a great conversation to start with a partner just to kind of see are you aligned in some ways and i'm not saying that you shouldn't be you shouldn't be honest about your your fantasies but again you got to just know your partner build up the conversation with them and then share it and then if you're with the right partner and you deliver it in a way that's you know honest and and it's it's um you know, real and from your heart, and you're ready to listen and be open and you ask for feedback and they're still not into it or they don't want to hear their fantasies or you feel shamed, you know, then you have some more information about your partner that you get to decide sort of if this is someone that you even want to have this fantasy with.
3: It's so true. And I know some people are afraid for fear of rejection. or even humiliation. So I'd like to ask the rest of the panel, do you have any other advice? I mean, do you think every fantasy should be shared or do you think some fantasies should just stay in your mind?
5: If I, if I could jump in real quickly on with what Emily was sharing, um, something that I do with my clients in terms of fantasies, depending on how much guilt or shame or how much fear they have to to divulge and, and be that transparent, vulnerable self, which can be so hard, especially with fantasies that can be so um, you know, scary for us to share with partners, um, I've always uh, wanted people to process maybe on a deeper level some of those fears with, with reading material and also with media. Um, a couple of books that I've recommended for people to help with that normalization process and also with confronting some of those fears, there's a book by Jack Morin called The Erotic Mind, which really dives into some of the psychology around Our turn-ons, our fantasies, our troublesome turn-ons, and even our what holds us back, and also what is you know uh, um, psychologically sort of oriented and with our fantasies. And then another book recently that came out is called *Tell Me What You Want* by Justin Lay Miller. Uh, And this is a a three thousand-person study on sexual fantasies. And what what I appreciate is that it shows sort of the normalization of how common our fantasies are. That we may think we're the only person out there who has this power fantasy or this threesome fantasy. When in fact, those are actually the three most popular that his study found that the top three fantasies that people have were uh, threesome multiple partners, novelty fantasies, and power play fantasies around, you know, similar to BDSM. Um, And even if you want to use some media as well, on Netflix, there is a a show called Sex Explained with these 15 to 20 minute videos, and they have one on fantasies that I think could be wonderful to watch with partners that has interviews with Dr. Justin. Uh, talks a bit about that research. And I think that can help us open the door to say, hey, look, that's kind of what I like too. Like, what do you think about that? And and all of a sudden it starts to spark the conversation that can be so hard to initiate for some people. Yeah, so Eva,
2: we, we've actually had Dr. Justin Lane Miller on our show talking about fantasies and uh, what Hernando just said was absolutely true. And, you know, one of the things that we get to do as swingers is really explore our fantasies because you know we do bring other people into our relationships and we do have threesomes and foursomes and more and orgies and all that and it's all great you know we talk about it in advance what do we want to do some of them are spontaneous but one of the most important things that we do is we have the replay after we've explored and uh, had this fantasy because You know, it's one thing to visualize it in your head, one thing to do it, but it's another thing to talk to your partner about how they felt about the experience we just went through. And we do it like an hour or two hours right after it happens. So it's fresh in our mind. And from that, we um, um, try and do a little bit better next time because it's not always 100% right. And sometimes it's like, well, you know, we're in an orgy and did you see what was going on over there? Yeah, I'd like to try that next time. And it just keeps it rolling um, for the future.
7: Um, may I just come in? This is fantastic. So, you know, the way that I use Dr. Justin's book, uh, Hernanda. thank you for bringing that up. I actually asked the couple to bring it in or I have a copy, you know, in the digital world, I can't have a copy. So I asked them to randomly open a page and read the fantasy. And then I watched their body language and I had feedback. I'm like, you were all, you're excited. You're like, disgusted. So that's a point of conversation for them there and then. Um, So I just wanted to put it out there that, you know, that opportunistic thing is really, really helpful.
3: Yeah, it is. Anybody else have any comments on sharing fantasies?
6: I'll add, uh, you know, you had the question when to share and when not to share. I would say, you know, be intentional. If you're having a fantasy about your ex all the time, what would be the intention in telling a partner? So just think about maybe telling more about what did the fantasy do for you? How did it make you feel? Maybe you felt really confident or reminded you of things that you really desire that you're not getting. But I think sometimes I I hear people say, I just wanna get it all out and be honest and not hide anything. But I would just say, you know, be intentional. What do you want your partner to know rather than just shocking or overwhelming or creating conflict with fantasies, which often happens with couples.
3: That's so true. Um, Dr. Emily, here's the last question for you. Actually, it's from Venus again, who wants to know, um, how do
4: you know which fantasies you should turn into reality? Well, I think it goes back to what you were saying about, should we share every fantasy? I'm not sure if someone answered this, but I, th- I always say there's two kinds of fantasies. There's the ones that you actually want to happen and there's the ones you want to keep to yourself and they're all okay. So so if her question is to to which one should you share? I think if you want it to happen... It's a fantasy that's sort of in your mind and it's in your consciousness, I think. And you're with a partner that you think would be okay. Again, it's like baby steps. Um, I don't think, I don't know why you wouldn't, I guess, unless it's like harmful or you have conflict, or you're not sure you want to share it. So I think it's really a matter of like knowing your partner if there's someone you want to share it with and then feeling like you want it for the right reasons and you've done your work on it. If it's something that's particularly I don't know. I guess you have to be. You have to know that you have to like with conviction. Like this is a fantasy that I want to happen, and then I just think, again, if they're ones that you just want to keep to yourself, keep it yourself. I think we know. Yeah, if it's about an ex or if it's about something that you just don't think would fly with others, I, I think that it's it's okay to keep it to yourself. So you just have to make that decision. And again, doing research, reading some of these books. There's been some excellent books and resources mentioned today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, be- and videos too. Videos, everything that would kind of make you feel like, oh, yeah, this is okay. I mean, I think we all have our doubts around things if we don't have enough information or education around it.
3: So. But it definitely expands your communication to discuss fantasies. And you can discuss fantasies that you want to keep as fantasies where there are other people involved. And if you want to maintain a monogamous relationship, but then there's other, you know, fun ones that you can do. I think a common one is having sex you know, outdoors or um, by the window so people can see you. There's a lot of exhibitionist fantasies. Yes. But uh, thank you so much. You know, this actually brings us to the end of our sex book panel discussion on intimate communication. So thank you, esteemed panelists and everybody can learn from you. Um, Your wealth of sexual knowledge is just mind blowing. Thank you, Dr. Emily Morse, Dr. Hernando Chavez, Dr. Megan Stubbs, Dr. Shannon Chavez, Dr. Sarah Nazazadeh, and of course, our sexy lifestyle couple, Carol and David, who are all truly superstars. So finally, I do want to thank all of our attendees, and we will be back next month with a new sexpert panel and a new topic so i hope that you will join us but until then live to love and love to live thank you
2: wow we sure hope you enjoyed that sexpert panel discussion as much as we did you know we're carol and david this is the sexy lifestyle
1: and to find out more about all the expert guests on Dr. Ava Cadell's panel, just go to our website, thesexylifestyle.com, where they have their own guest page with all the information. You can contact them if you have any questions about their work. And remember, if you're looking for an online, open-minded community to find compatible people and events near you, simply join sdc.com. You can use promo code 30314 for your first month
2: free. Absolutely. And you know, every week we are learning more and more with all our sex expert guests, and we hope you do too. If you have any questions at all, you can always send us an email at ask at Wow,
1: the end of another great show. Thanks so much for listening. Join us again next time for another hour of the Sexy Lifestyle, talking about sex, sexuality, sexual health, and pleasure, and all the fun ways to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and always
2: horny. Well, that's it for our show today. Carol and I send you lots of love and great sex. Please stay safe. And of course, stay sexy, everyone. Until next time.